Hi, this is Andrew Bunton, bass player for Toronto-based rock band Second Pass, and you're listening to realestatepodcastshow.com. Five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Paul here, realestatepodcastshow.com. Look up, look way up. Did you know that Toronto has four times as many cranes in the sky as its closest rival city? According to the consulting firm Ryder Levitt Bucknell, Canada's largest city boasts 208 tower cranes. This is as of April 2021, might be more, might be less. So let's just say 200 plus tower cranes that are uh, up in the city. Um, the next closest rival is Washington DC with 45. So if you can't see that there is a building evolution happening uh, and that the future of Toronto is being built right now, um, then you're just not looking up. So you need to understand that this is one of those things and I've been saying this for many years. Change is painful, not changing is fatal. And if we don't, as a city, build enough properties for the people who are supposed to be coming here and, and just, again, maybe overbuild rather than fight every development, it's going to make everything, it's, it's literally going to make everything for everyone else a lot easier. If there's enough places for everyone to live, and I want this to be a very balanced <clears throat> building process. So I want to actually have the city of Toronto and Ontario for that matter, exploring large plots of land and talking about build, uh, bringing in a 3D printing um, uh, machine and building houses for $4,000. This is all stuff that is happening in some parts of the US already. And again, building a house for $4,000. Can you imagine if you are again, you know, just starting off in life or you, uh, you know, just, you, you just want a tiny house. You want something to call your own. Uh, they can build these things in two days. You would basically be, and, and again, I've got this all figured out in my head. I don't think that the city or the province is going to put me in charge of this stuff. Why? Because, um, my ideas are focused on things that actually work, um, and, uh, and not, uh, pleasing, uh, lobbyists and things like that. So because of that, of course, you might never see this happen, but here is the way it should look. If it was done properly, the city would, you know, obviously the city of the province would have a, you know, like a large piece of land that they've either bought or that they own. Uh, and what they're able to do then is they're able to construct properties on that land and it becomes sort of a freehold, um, townhouse situation where you would basically own the home. You have the ability to own the home. Uh, and of course, you know, for $4,000, uh, I'm not saying everybody has that in their bank accounts, but for a lot of people, um, it wouldn't be the hardest thing to come up with, uh, you know, $4,000 or to finance that again, that could probably be a lot easier than what the current, um, amount per unit is, which I believe is something to the effect of, 
um, two or three hundred thousand dollars per unit to build uh, for supportive housing, something like that. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but again, let me get back to it. So basically, the city owns the land and you rent the land from them, but the property itself, the house, you own it, which means if you decide that you want to live in that house for five years uh, and you decide you want to sell the property, depending on what kind of loans there are, it could be a situation where you might be not able to just sell the property. It might have to be sold back to somebody on a list. I don't know how all that would work yet. Again, that's not what I do full time, but I do think about this stuff because I do think about uh, wanting to give people who don't have uh, access to, you know, everything equally. I want to make sure that they have some equal access to things. Um, and the fact is my, my wife is blind and I essentially have the um, ability to sort of see what she sees and I and I and, and we talk about in detail uh, what it is that she would you know have to be you know doing in her life if um, if she for example you know didn't have me helping her and she was um, depending on for example the city or uh, ODSP or any of that kind of stuff and it's a really hard um, decision to be able to make uh, for anybody who is going through that. So imagine having those extra choices. Imagine having, um, again, even condos that are built in that way where they where the people can own the units. And this is one of the biggest complaints I think there is, is that the rental prices in Toronto um, and, and many parts of Ontario, but mostly Toronto, um, again, are, are very unaffordable and they've been so for about a decade. So to be able to um, move against that, there has to be a lot more supply to be able to, you know, knock down the demand. But as far as the rent goes, whoever owns that property is going to always be able to ask for as much rent as they want, especially when the unit is empty, they can ask for as much rent as they want. So to, to understand that, and I've actually seen reports of this, where there are some suggestions that, um, rents in in toronto right now that are in the 2000s could possibly be as high as in the 4000s by 2040. so to give people who have the ability to again get started on ownership and to be able to start a new life this is again what i hope might happen from again all the activity that's happening in the building uh, that's happening in our city and of course this is all part of you know the future of toronto and seeing you know what's going to happen in 2030 2040 2050 uh, and again i'm i'm i look forward to it because again even in 2000 you know you can't really always see you know very far ahead but the fact is there is some exciting stuff there is some good stuff that's happening uh, and i do hope as a result of again all the all the cranes in the sky uh, that we can come up with some again some good alternative solutions that come from all that building because there's a lot of money involved in that building process that is not cheap to build all those buildings those builders are paying levies there's a lot of other things so if there's a way for you know 200 cranes uh, in the sky, they're, 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 if there's a way to put 200 cranes in the sky, there's a way to also put enough properties uh, in, in place where even in some, um, you know, developments and recently the, the, the city's bought a couple of uh, old hotels uh, that they're using for um, supportive housing, which again, I think is a great idea for them to keep doing that um, and buying up, for example, old hotels, retrofitting them or old buildings. 
um, and turning them into, uh, you know, again, affordable housing and again, affordable uh, and accessible for everyone, which means not just one particular group. I want the people who are, again, like young people who are just starting out, uh, people who are having a hard time in life. I want people, uh, this again, people with disabilities. I would like for seniors and disabilities, uh, for those to be, for for the most vulnerable, to be on the first priority for this. And this is really important because even during COVID, we've seen that seniors and the disabilities and those with disabilities have not been put first. Uh, And I believe that for a society to run properly, you have to take care of your most vulnerable first. And then, of course, everyone else thereafter. But if we're not taking care of those, especially the long-term care people uh, and seniors, uh, and again, the disabled, the most vulnerable of all, um, then we're not in a position where we should be making any other moves until we get that straight. So I'm hoping that this starts a little bit of a conversation. If you want to add to it, make sure you text me 647-792-5658 or uh, visit me at realestatepodcastshow.com. Thanks for tuning in.